Hello again, friends, and welcome to episode 7 of season 2 of My Life in Miniatures. Mlim, if you're a fan. Uh, I just, I rarely get to say Mlim these days because I've, I've stopped doing it since season 1, but I said it again there. Um, hello, my name's John, I'm from heresyandheroes.com, and uh, this is my podcast, My Life in Miniatures, where I sit down with a guest every week and I talk to them about the miniatures that have meant the most to them throughout their hobby, their first, their last, and all the fun ones in between uh, that have helped them along their career, their life, all of that. And um, and today we've got an exceptional guest uh, who I haven't spoken to yet. I'm actually recording this before I speak to my guest, which is quite rare, you see, because the magic of podcasting is normally I record this after I've spoken to my guest, uh, so I know what's happened. But I know for a fact, I'm willing to bet money on it, my guest is going to be excellent today, because my guest is Doug from uh, 2 Plus Tough on YouTube, uh, and we'll get to him a little bit more later, and, uh, and well, you'll hear plenty from him, uh, we'll sit down with you for over an hour and uh, chat about hobby fun and uh, give you something to do, something to listen to while you're cracking on with your own hobby, or whatever you're doing, maybe you're going for a bike ride, maybe you're playing a round of golf. I don't know you. You could be doing anything. Now, uh, what I do know, it's been it's been a mixed bag week in, in the hobby. Um, I had uh, some a wonderful little treat come through uh, from Games Workshop. Uh, they sent me the brand new Warcry, the Heart of Gur box, uh, which I am going to be putting some effort into. Uh, you'll be seeing more of what I do with that on heresyandheroes.com, my blog. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. I'm definitely turning those Rottmeyer Creed minis into like a nurgly Necromunda gang at some point, so we'll see where that goes. And so I decided to dive into Warcry myself and actually play a few games. Uh, I'm sold on the horns of Hachut. Um Hachut was always a, a low-key favourite god of mine because I am a big fan of the old Chaos Dwarves and their um, silly massive hats. So it's good to see see them back and some of his worshippers return because I think now you've got them you've got the Hobgrot Slitters and Hobgoblins were very much part of the Chaos Dwarf army I actually remember when those were really oh god I'm feeling old again um yes they were they were part of it and so can can the dwarves the, oh sorry they'll be um Chaos Dwardin not be too far behind uh we're getting the leagues of Votan so um you know, maybe AOS is going to get some retro goodness as well. Um, and then the other big news of the week, I'm very happy to say that I managed to score myself a ticket to Golden Demon, an entry ticket. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, unfortunately, it appears like I'm one of the few people who can say that. Uh, they went on sale actually last night as I'm recording this. And I had my phone out, I was glued to my phone screen, it hit 7 o'clock, I managed to get one into my basket, got through checkout, and I'm, I'm in, I'm going. But I saw on Twitter a lot of disappointed people, I've seen on Facebook a lot of disappointed people. Um, and I'm disappointed that it's come to that as well, because I always feel like Golden Demon is something everyone should be able to enter. Now the problem here is that it's being held Warhammer World. Now Warhammer World is wonderful. It's, you know, a couple of great shops. Bugman's is always a treat. Uh, it's a great place to go play games. And, of course, you've got the exhibition and, you know, the Space Marine statue and all of that goodness. It's it's a wonderful place. But it's too small. It's just too small. Um, for the size that Warhammer as a hobby has gotten to, Warhammer World is just not big enough anymore. It's... it's it, you can have a tournament there, but look at the other tournaments that happen around the world. How many people they get into those tournaments? Well, you can't do that at Warhammer World because you're limited by space. Same thing goes with Golden Demon. And this year, because we are still, as I'm speaking, we are still in the pandemic, right? There is still COVID going around, all right? It's, it seems to be less deadly these days, but it's become more virulent again recently. And... Yeah, I, we we are in a pandemic, and Games Workshop has always been incredibly careful for both the sake of their staff and people visiting as a, a customer, a punter. Um, they've always been very careful because, well, for one thing, you know, if, if there was an outbreak of COVID that ran through the factory, which is part of Warhammer World, um, that would halt a lot of production and cause a lot of problems there, so... Yeah, I mean, they've always been cautious, but of course it means for events like this, you can't get as many people in. 
you know, so th- th- that sucks. And it's, it's terrible that anyone's missing out. There is another round of tickets uh, going out. Um, if this goes up on Sunday, it should be tomorrow on Monday, uh, the 8th of August. There is another round of tickets going out. I don't know how many are in that round. I don't know if it's just people who bought one on the 11th and put them back to... I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, you know, I wish you luck if you're trying to get a ticket. Um because I'm sorry, this is going to be a slightly longer ramble than I normally do at the start of my podcast. But I, I care a lot about Golden Demon. I'm a huge fan of it. I always have been ever since I was a kid. And it's always been a bit of a dream to do to do well in a Golden Demon. Um, and I've got a few finalist pins from the past. And I've been looking forward to this since I uh, left Games Workshop, pretty much, uh, over well over a year ago now. And uh, I was, you know... I always look forward to Golden Demon, even if I'm just there as a spectator. Because it's cool, it's, you're seeing the, the best miniatures in the world painted by the best miniature painters in the world, who are then being judged by the people who helped create the models themselves, you know, members of the heavy metal team and the studio staff. That's what makes it a special event, and it's it's really unique like that. It's a unique event anyway, and it's... it's um, getting on for 40 years old now you know or or somewhere close by anyway and so okay let's say this is the the way of things let's say there is not going to be another warhammer fest in person i don't know there probably will be of course why wouldn't they it's it's always been a big success and people have enjoyed it and i'm sure games Workshop have lots of fun plans for that sort of event but let's say they're not doing it how do you do a golden demon without a warhammer fest in the uk you can't do it at Warhammer World because this happened. You know, even if COVID magically goes away and somehow you can fit extra people into that hall, you can do it over multiple rounds or whatever, it's still it's too small. And if they wanted to do it here in Nottingham, well, we've got the National Ice Arena just down the road um, from me. Anyway, it's just down the road from me. It'd be incredibly convenient for me. I could go there in my slippers in the morning. But that's... that holds expos all the time it holds concerts gigs and of course ice hockey and skating stuff and you know it's big it's a big venue golden demon couldn't carry a big venue on its own even as popular as it's getting i mean maybe it would but i think realistically you'd need to do some sort of big event alongside it like a painting event or you know uh new paints or come learn how to paint or do you know there'd have to be some other angle to it as well but you could do that but here's hoping that fest is back next year because this is i've I've just seen so many comments from people who are disgruntled and upset and that's not what the hobby should be about everyone should be able to enter everyone should be able to be happy and and it's just unfortunate and it's under very understandable circumstances you know games workshop couldn't know what was going to happen with covid and the fact that it is still really prevalent here and the way you you can just say the economy i mean there's that as well i mean you know who'd have known if anyone would have been able to afford to travel to nottingham there's there's lots of reasons why it was sensible for them to not book a big outside venue and risk losing thousands of pounds i get it of course i get it but i just i really hate seeing people miss out and you know, it, it brings in another uh, hypothetical for me. I mean, okay, I, I got a ticket. Fantastic. I'm really happy about that for myself. Now, let's say, hypothetically, and I don't think this is going to happen, but let's say, hypothetically, I win. I win the Slayer Sword, okay? Uh, that's definitely never going to happen. <laughs> but let's say, hypothetically, it did. Let's say John wins a Slayer Sword. Well, John wins a Slayer Sword, but then what if multiple regular golden demon greats who would have wanted to come to the event but couldn't get a ticket missed out do i does my slayer sword then have an asterisk next to it you know what i mean i'm just yeah it's it's not great but it i would rather and i I saw um the golden demon compendium on twitter who i urge you to follow because they uh show a lot of wonderful inspirational stuff from golden demon in the past they put it very, very well. Firstly, no influencers or seasoned veterans or previous winners got any free tickets to this uh, before the ballot opened. And secondly, I'd rather have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. I'd rather there was a golden demon here than not. It's just, but you know, because the hobby has gotten so popular as well, 
more people are going to want to do it. And that's wonderful news for Golden Demon. That's going to, that's like the best advert for miniatures Games Workshop could hope for. More people pushing themselves to paint them more exceptionally, more brilliantly, more beautifully. That's the best thing, you know. And I, it's just a shame that in this year people are going to miss out. But I understand where GW are coming from. I don't, I don't like where we're at, but I get it. And I hope that they, they take notice of the amount of people who are upset about not being able to get stuff. Uh, get tickets this year and they do something about it and they make sure that there's a fest next year or, or if there isn't going to be a fest they make sure it appears in a, a big venue alongside some other activities because this this is just making people annoyed and it's it's kind of it just feels like golden demon isn't and i, I know it's not a business priority i mean hell they don't make any direct sales from it of course they don't but like i said it's the best advert you just look at how beautiful those miniatures are so yeah, but I just hope it becomes a, a something in their in their minds to do a better job with next year. But I understand why this year it has to be like this. I don't like it, but I understand it. That's that's fine. Uh, but I'm working on my entries. I've got I've got a, a handful done. I'm working on something at the moment. If I can squeeze in one more, I'm not going to rush it. But if I can, we'll see what we can do. Um, but I am looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing lots of you there as well. Now. That's it. That's the longest intro to one of these uh, podcasts I've ever done. But that's because it's Golden Demon and I care a lot about Golden Demon, despite the fact I've only got a few finalist pins to my name. But enough of all this Golden Demon talk. Let's talk about Doug. Uh, Doug is one of the most hobby-positive, lovely human beings uh, that I've ever had the privilege of speaking to. Um, I'm really looking forward to speaking to him uh, in just a couple of hours actually uh, when we record the full-on podcast and yeah uh what can i tell you about it well i should first say go to youtube and follow two plus tough um it's a wonderful uh video channel dedicated to playing good games and lore and tactics and all sorts all sorts of great content on there it really is it's you know um all sorts of fun to be had uh, and give Doug a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, you can go to at tough underscore up. That's T-O-U-G-H underscore U-P. Uh, give him a follow. And if after you finish this podcast and you think, oh, I'd quite like another Warhammery podcast to listen to as well while I'm doing my hobby, go and find the Emperor Protects podcast. It's Horus Heresy based and it's Doug chatting away and doing a great job. So, um just go check it out it's well worth your time um and that's me rambling for nearly quarter of an hour now so uh, i'm gonna have to edit this down so hopefully it will seem considerably less by the time uh, you get to it but uh yeah here is oh sorry <coughs> i have to say this every time now it's become a thing without any further ado here is my conversation with doug from two plus tough Doug, hello. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Good, no worry. Lovely to have you on. Uh, great fan of your YouTube channel, Two Plus Tough. Thank you. Which mm-hmm. I keep calling Two Up Tough in my head, but um, I, I do too. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah that was the idea. Is yeah, Two Up, yeah. Two is best. Yes, nice. Um, well, we're not going to talk all about your YouTube channel. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on it a bit. We are going to talk about your life in miniatures and the miniatures that have. Um, shaped your your career your hobby uh, and everything yeah. else so tell me about your tell me about the your first miniatures um the bretonian knights and chaos warriors yeah so um when i was was very very young uh in the boy scouts i, I got really into building like specifically like helicopters like world war ii there's very cheap model kits you get at like hobby stores or craft stores yeah and my grandmother knew that and so there was a local hobby store going out of business and she didn't know the difference between like hobby as in you know, arts and crafts store and like capital H hobby store of like Warhammer and Yu-Gi-Oh and card games and, you know, all these other crazy things. Yeah. But she popped in there and she saw a, a super discount rack clearance sale and she was like, oh, Doug might like these. And so she grabbed up uh, what I now know are a unit of Bretonian Knights and the old Chaos Warriors where they were super, I mean... 
there's a lot of nostalgia about them, but they were super dumpy looking. They're like all squashed forward and their heads were in their shoulders. (laughs) Um, And that was, that was the first time I was introduced to war gaming, any kind of war gaming intellectual property. Um, Yeah. At the, like at the back of the box, you could see that they were part of a game, but I didn't comprehend how to play. (laughs) I was too young for that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how how did you get on with painting them or, or did you paint them? Oh, terribly. I mean, I was very proud of myself, but like never used primer. Um, I'm pretty sure the white paint that came in that, like, so it was those two boxes plus the starter set that used to have like archers in there. I think they were Bretonian archers. Yeah. Um, And so I started with the archers. Yeah, no primer. I'm pretty sure that was the worst pot of white paint that ever existed or graced our planet it was just like pure chalk and i was like i love this (laughs) um no i mean they were hideous but they turned out cool well they do that's good yeah i nailed the goblin green base because it's just one color (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it was always an easy one to do um so that when you i mean after you got those uh as a gift did you once you sort of stopped building them and painting them did you immediately go and seek out more warhammer i did uh mostly you know i figured out where she got them from i went there with my allowance money and i bought up just a few other random kits i had um when i was very young i had at a certain point i think just like two or three units um from the high elf army yeah. and they actually had a a lock-in which I, I went to i was probably far too young to have probably should have been there but it was me and a bunch of like college kids and they all seemed awesome yeah, <laughs> when i was really nice. really young and so they had a lock-in where it was overnight uh basically just constant warhammer games and so i was just hanging off to the side building and painting and i would watch them play the game that i couldn't understand yeah <laughs> that's yeah. about the closest i got to gaming at that time yeah, nice. Okay, and uh, and you obviously carried on with it, but was there ever a part where you sort of left Warhammer, and you know, uh, a lot of people do, but yeah, it um, it was right around there too. Uh, once we moved shortly after I got those first models, and I kind of put it off to the side. Um, you know, back then we were using AOL discs to get online, and so there wasn't. I didn't have easy access to find a local gaming group without my own car or telephone or anything yeah and so uh yeah we ended up uh after college i was like i need a hobby or i'm gonna go insane um and so that's when i was like i used to like painting models when i was a kid and that's how i got back into it yeah nice good good that's um Mm -hmm. yes i remember the old aol discs it was you'd have to (laughs) buy like pc gamer every month to get the free aol trial one month trial on uh, yes Yes, I remember those. I I was actually just reading through a bunch of old white dwarfs, uh, putting together stuff for content, and on uh, I saw the first issue where they mentioned the, the Games Workshop website will have rules for things, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's so cute, a little time capsule. Yeah, it's barely been updated since. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I won't. Uh, let's not go down that path. Um, no, that's cool. But I suppose you mentioned then, you know. It, I, I think about it sometimes it is odd in that it's a hobby that you can very much do by yourself. Yes. But it obviously can be very much enjoyed with other people. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you prefer now? Do you prefer it as being a a quiet thing you can do at the end of the day or do you like more the interaction with other hobbyists? Yeah, I, I need both to be honest, to, to do what I do to talk about Warhammer. I, I know people are like, Oh, I could talk about Warhammer all day it sounds great until you do it for four months. (laughs) Um, I can imagine. And so my life now is, is this constant, like trying to avoid burnout. So I build and paint models to personally relieve stress. Like I'm having a weird amount of time, amount of fun building a Gundam model right now, as we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. because it's so simple compared to some of the crap that's out there for games now. Um, But it's a mix of, that but then also to get excited for content i have to be playing those games of course so um like if i'm not actively playing aos uh, age of sigmar uh i i just kind of lose interest and to like get that spark up again so yeah yeah i know what you mean i I ask for a relatively selfish reason and i have the same sort of issue at the moment where it's sort of 
I like painting, but I kind of feel like I need a purpose to paint at the moment. And um, yep. yeah, exactly. I'm, my gaming group is currently quite quiet, and so I'm, mm-hmm. I, I don't have that at the moment. But yeah, uh, and hopefully they're yeah. listening to this, and that will nudge them to actually get their ass in gear, and we can work out what we're doing next. Um, it's, it's kind of the uh, like the eighty twenty type thing where it's like yeah. Uh, you know, twenty percent uh, of my time is maybe spent gaming, but it accounts for an inordinate amount of passion and invigoration and excitement. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, nice. Well, that's good. So, I mean, um, do you still have your Bretonian Knights and Chaos Warriors? I don't, sadly. Um, all those original models, I so wish I had them for videos, but we yeah. had a house fire when I was in high school and we lost uh, it all. So. Oh wow, that's yeah, that's really. I mean, because I I regret um, not having any of mine from when I was a kid. But I sold mm-hmm. mine when I mm-hmm. I had my break from the hobby. But at least that was my choice. A, a house fire, um, <laughs> yeah, not your choice. And um, yes, that's horrible. But uh, oh well, I, I suppose uh, I don't know if the Bretonians believe in cremation or not. Um, <laughs> well, well these didn't. ones certainly. Yeah. They believe in these <laughs> ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those ones did. There you go. It, was, uh, it, was, it fit in quite well with their beliefs. Um, now, we're going to move on to your next minutes. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Britannia Knights, Chaos Warriors are part of Warhammer. Um, mm-hmm. When did you discover War Machine? And what was it you liked about the ironclad Warjack? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I had mentioned that I got back into modeling when I was in co- uh, post-college as because I needed a hobby. And as I was looking up painting tutorials, I found one from, uh, I think it was the channel mini Wargaming. They used to have this PDF, uh, painting tutorials that they gave away for free. Yeah. And in there, yeah, there was this little robot guy. And I think the tutorial was on like object source lighting or something. Yeah. And I was like, I was just smitten by him. I was like, I don't know why, but I love this stupid little robot. It turns out it was one of the, um, I think their word for it is a rulic, the, the dwarves of privateer presses, intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, they're Warjack, their little robot guy. And so I looked it up online because now, of course, several years have passed where we've evolved beyond AOL discs and we have yeah. online communities for stuff. And so uh, I found out that there was a local game store that carried these things. So I went in and, and that's when I was truly introduced as an adult to gaming, like okay weekly game nights a gaming group it wasn't just that one lock-in that i went in isolation when i was a kid this is like reoccurring relationships being built having games and fun and tournaments and uh so i always tell people privateer press or war machine specifically was my first real war game at least when i approached it from a gaming perspective um my first box of minis as an adult was the Signar starter set, which had an ironclad in it. Ironclad, yeah. for those of you who don't know, is just the biggest robot that came in the starter set for them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved, um, I love the proportions of it, where I guess if you've never seen a, an ironclad, I guess you can liken it to a Games Workshop orc, I guess is another popular one where there's, yeah. they're almost like a V that goes upward, where the legs tend to be scale wise relatively small and you're like how the hell does that guy run and then the upper torso is just like monstrous and he's waving these huge metal hammers and it's just like cue the metal riff yeah (laughs) it's cool stuff yeah yeah (laughs) it's uh it's they it's a nice aesthetic that they play with sort of steampunky but um yep yeah and Um, and it's a i like the silhouette of him and all of the the machines in that setting have these big like boiler muffler things coming out the back it just looks it just looks mean and dangerous. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I had a similar thing, but I, I went down the Kador route rather than Sigma. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yep. Uh, um, but, yeah, so it, who was who was the caster that you typically took with your Sigma? Uh, once I I got used to the game, I was a massive fan of Nemo, who was the okay. electric-themed guy from Sigmar. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing to do was at the time, yeah, there was a bunch of troops in Sigmar that had immunity to lightning, which was a, a rather rare rule in second edition War Machine. But he could basically chain lightning and shoot his own guy in the back of the head. But because he's immune, it would just arc to the next thing. Yeah. And so you're kind of using all your troops who are immune to lightning as ways to project threat 
way further than the guy which should normally be able to that was super fun <laughs> yeah, that sounds fun actually yes it's exactly the sort of thing i would have hated coming up against but uh, in a, in it never did well it was terrible oh well okay um so i, I suppose i could have asked if you had a chance to look at the new war machine rules that have just come out yeah i actually just posted a video yesterday about my thoughts i just did a shared screen thing um my overall thought is if they can uh deliver on their promises which they made some some hefty ones in terms of product support and when things yeah. are going to be uh when rules are going to be adjusted for the new edition and stuff uh i would love i would love to jump in you know just as i jumped in with aos at the time when people hated it most yeah. um i would i wouldn't mind doing the same thing uh yeah i'm a sucker for punishment and uh the i think the setting and the artwork and stuff is just so interesting yeah they have so many cool like strong female characters strong massive looking models and robots and there's just Mm -hmm. so much to fall in love with there that it would be a shame if it fell into obscurity for just because no one gave it a chance yeah Um, i mean yeah i don't think privacy press necessarily helped themselves um oh gosh no 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 (laughs) (laughs) no no this is the same thing as games workshop going silent for 10 years and then alienating their community and they're like hey we're here it's like well you got a pit you got to climb out of first but that's okay (laughs) we can do that given enough time (laughs) yeah exactly well yeah so i hope they get a chance because i just think it's kind of nice for for Warhammer to have a competitor, really, because mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have one at the moment. Um, you know, think yep. all those games that have come and gone and that's, that still exist. I mean, things like Infinity, War Machine, yeah. um, Malifaux, uh, all, you know, all miniatures games, very different to Warhammer, less mass-ranked armies. But yep. the, the, in terms of market share or anything like that, they're just so nowhere near. So I'm hoping that these new rules... I've had a look at them. I think they'll annoy a lot of older players in some aspects, yep. but in the same yep. way that every rule set annoys older players, you know, when they come out. But Yeah. I think the things that has gone for it in my mind, um, a, a big refocus on the giant war machines that we've been gushing about, right? Kador should be yeah. looking pretty good with some big stompy robots. That's their jam. Very much so. Um, from uh, any other faction, it looks awesome. And then also, cutting out the rules they had for for units so like uh groups of models like five or six models make up a single unit it's been streamlined for their movement and stuff like that and that that was a big deal to me because as a player back in the day that was always the most annoying part was coherency and how that all worked but i I mean there were some people who jumped in with a uh a battle report when it was still in like the beta rules just went up and they threw it online and i've been watching it and i was like it seems rad. I don't, I mean, and it's my preferred size of game where it's like 30 to 40 models versus okay, yeah. 200 or something. Of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never been one for horde armies. Definitely not. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I was going to say uh, in that uh, white dwarf I was talking about earlier, I was reading through, I got to a page where it was like Phil Kelly versus somebody else and he had a, a horde quote-unquote skaven army that was like 50 guys and i was like oh my god that's a box and a half of clan rest <laughs> yeah i know i know was, um yeah i could have painted skaven by then i couldn't do them now yeah i know um, yeah that's how i feel too yeah 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 um but anyway we, we've gone off topic a bit let's go back to your Sorry. um how did you i mean now you're getting back into playing games and um mm-hmm you found this new system um how did you approach painting this time around um yeah i um i i think my first model i just let myself paint like i did when i was a kid just for the sake of like do i enjoy this you know that kind of thing and then after that i was like oh okay so there's this stuff called primer gotta Mm. figure that out that was an immediate boost and then when I discovered washes, I was like, oh man, now we're cooking with fire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that was, that was mostly it for quite a while. My, my painting skills didn't really, uh, develop too much beyond the basics with privateer press models, just because, uh, a lot, I wasn't really into units and a lot of the machines have like really large flat curved surfaces. I can just open and curve, not flat, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, And so that was a bit difficult for me to paint as a new hobbyist, but um, yeah, I, 
played that for a while. And then I, uh, other models started catching my eyes. I started to lean more towards the, the thematic and the painting side of things rather than just the gameplay. Yeah. And actually my second model here I have uh, for this section is the Glotkin yes, by Games Workshop. That and uh, that one is on my list because it was my first ever big model. I mean, the biggest thing I had painted before then was, yeah, it would have been one of the heavy war jacks from War Machine. So yeah. you're thinking like a 60 mil base model by Game GW if you need comparison sake. Um, yeah. And so it was huge. I got it. I got it for basically free. Um, I just traded off some paints. The guy was like, I just wanted the banner from it. So he bought like the Glockkin, which is this like over a hundred dollar model. Yeah. All he wanted was the banner that covers the dude's butt cheeks. And well, so I, I mean, still have him on my shelf. He's right over there. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, you can. Yes, you can take the mud flap. I will take the rest of the hundred dollar <laughs> yes. model. <laughs> yes, something that could be great. Well, substitute with a small piece of green stuff. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. Why not? That's got to be up there with among the best hobby gets of all time. <laughs> the only one so, I had similar was when uh, I was really young. I was about nine or ten and went to go and pick up the second edition Warhammer 40,000 box set and the yep. guy in the store was like do you want a Dreadnought for free uh, <laughs> like what and it was back when they were like the lead like yeah the fire hydrant brick, <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah and it's like why is it free and he's like well this one's um it didn't come with any feet but it came with two extra hands and i was like oh, okay i don't care that's cool i get a big model out of it and i had the i mean models back then looked a bit goofy anyway but having a dreadnought walking around on two hands was extra goofy. it sounds amazing yeah um it sounds like it, one of the toys from toy story like sid's evil toys walking around like on its hands as yes it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was yes um okay so you get the glockkin for nothing um yep. Uh, effectively and how do you how do you approach a model like the glockkin uh it was it was a big learning thing for me i think before i started that one i really i wrote out some goals that i wanted to learn right, some things i wanted to achieve and have to learn to achieve them yeah. so like uh just just construction of that model versus anything by a privateer press is wildly different because yeah. one it's all plastic mm -hmm. two he uh, is is hollow. I mean, he's giantly a he's basically a giant Cadbury egg, where you have to build like the superstructure and like his inside big thick part is empty, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, but that was a a thing I had never encountered before in models. Um, and then that was one where I I really took the time to learn blending, and mm -hmm. it's still not the best, but it is some some good work that I did where yeah. he has like a tentacle arm and it started as purple at the tip and then worked its way into yeah, green yeah. up his body. Um, and that was, that was cool. And I think approaching models that are that big or different or out of your wheelhouse with a set of, these are the things I'm going to focus on and anything else I'm going to have grace for, or uh, not get hung up on. I think that was a good approach. And that's why I kept him. I've, Traded the maggot can off, but I keep my Glock can because I like him. Yeah, well, it's a nice story as well. And yeah, yeah. Uh, do you ever think you, you'd go back to the Glock can, or are they, or not the Glock can, the maggot can rather? Hmm. I I could see myself doing it for sure. Uh, the last time I played them, I was really into the nautical theme. Yeah, and so I I kit bashed a whole bunch of things. I had like um oh I can't remember the name of it, whatever the Blight Lords on Flies is called. Uh, Blight Lords. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know stuff. Oil, Blight, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I had a whole bunch of those. But my problem with that project was, though, is I had so highly customized the bases with like green stuff rollers and all these things mm -hmm. that I never wanted to add to it. It was just so much work to do them. Yeah. And so I was like, I kind of want to restart and at least do an army that I feel like I can add things to more casually. And yes. so. I would absolutely go. I think, again, I would have to go in with a plan of this is what I want things to be. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. Nice. Good. I'm glad you kept it. I'm glad you like it. It's, um, mm -hmm. So at what point then after, I mean, you paint the Glockkin, you presumably paint a few more models. When do you get the idea to start a YouTube channel? Uh, it actually happened right around where the Glockkin was. I was living in that same place. 
Um, the reason, part of the reason why I got the Glock can so dirt cheap is because stores were shuttering Warhammer product like crazy. Yeah. Uh, at that time, the end times, which is when Glockin came out, had already finished. There was a lurch, and the people in at that time uh, the greater San, uh, Seattle area were livid with Games Workshop stores were dumping product. I got uh, my first Warhammer models for seventy five percent off. Wow! Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is like a, a store's way of saying is like I don't care, just walk away with it. <laughs> just don't make me pay taxes on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I got in that way and I realized that like, man, I, I thoroughly enjoy this game. You know, someone who didn't have a history of war gaming looking at the five page document of rules came out and I was like, I, I like this a lot actually. Mm, nice. Um, and even now to this day, I still love picking up indie games and uh, historical ones because they do tend to have that, not the granularity of rules because the onus is on the players to create whatever story they want to have. Yeah. Right. And it's that implicit, like, yeah, these rules are paper thin. It's because you and your buddy are supposed to have fun and fill in the gaps. So I like yeah. that kind of approach to things. Me and, um, my buddy Shu from the channel rerolling once we, we had a great time getting games in before there were any points. And so one day I just went home. I had what I call the murder basement, which uh, was just a really creepy deck cave under our house pretty much. Yeah. And, um, threw my, my phone's uh, camera on and I just started talking about flesh eater courts. That was when that, when that battle tome first dropped, which I think was the second book in AOS. Maybe the third. third I think. Uh, yeah, that's that's when I I hopped in full force with YouTube. Nice. Yeah. And mm -hmm. well, yes, and a, a fitting locale to talk about the flesh eater courts. <laughs> yeah. Well, we rented this place, and it's like, oh man, I want to turn the basement into my hobby lair. And I walk down there, and it's just like empty, dark, cobweb, and there's a tarp wrapped up with some bleach bottles next to it, and you're like, yes. someone definitely got murdered here <laughs> yeah yeah i'm actually i as i talk to you now i'm sat on top of my murder basement which i don't yes. go down into <laughs> terrifying um i remember i was like when i bought this flat i was like yeah i'll i'll, I'll get the basement tanked out i'll put a hobby room and like a cinema yep. or something down there and then going down there for the first time it's just like there's a random chair just sat <laughs> facing a wall and like there's definitely signs that people have been down there recently and like yeah I, it, it, once yeah. a year once a year just to make sure yep. it doesn't flood that's that's <laughs> how often i go down there because it's creepy as all hell and uh, yeah, yeah. i like it but it's a good place to talk about flesh eater courts so you, you you do that first video and um how long before you sort of start noticing people are checking out and following you and and your yeah. audience is growing um i would say for anyone who's interested in doing youtube stuff it, it there's a a series of plateaus followed by great growth. If you just stay consistent, yeah. you'll notice your subscriber count go eke up like one or two, and then it'll flat for a while and go up a little bit more. Um, fast forward a little bit. When the Iron Jaws got released for Age of Sigmar, I feel like that was a big turning point because right. that was a model range that had people, even on the 40K side, because Orc players, they don't know a game system. They just buy whatever the hell they want. They can burn exactly. the hell out of it, yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> um for some reason that was the lightning rod that made people i feel like give aos a second chance uh certainly because the ghb was starting to come out around that point and so um that's when things really started to boom because all of a sudden now you have an entire supported game that has about a year of time invested in it but no one's been talking about it and the second that switch flips you could see the, you could literally see the internet searches go skyrocket up. Yeah. And so that's really when it all began. Nice. Great. And, uh, well, no, and you've gone on to great success with it. And we wish you for more further success with it as well. well. Thank you very much. Um, now let's go. Uh, speaking of green skins. Yes. Uh, tell me about your Wurgog prophet. Yeah. So, uh, another one that kind of ties into my story. Um, as I go throughout the hobby is I started the YouTube channel. I met up with some great friends and we all loved AOS uh, so much that they wanted to do their own thing with battle reports. Wow. So they formed the channel rerolling once, which is still a phenomenal channel here on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and just my sales pitch for them is it's like you're hanging out with your gaming group rather than watching a, a technical report where you get the blow by blows. It's just, you laugh and you have fun and they have little yeah. skits and stuff. Yeah. Um, well with those guys, those have become some of my strongest friendships in my life and, and just great men who are very dependable. And, uh, we started doing this thing maybe like two years after knowing them where every Christmas we do a not so secret Santa, which is, you say one model that you would like, and then we secretly draw lots. You get one for your buddy. So you know what you're getting, but you don't know who's going to paint it for you. And so yeah. we all have like a $25, $30 limit. Go out, grab a model, paint it for your friend, and give it to him. Uh, and it's just us. It's like just us four guys have been doing it for several years. And um, this last year, I got a Wurgog profit from my buddy Jack from Rerolling Ones. And uh, he, all of his armies are painted to match the Seahawks. Uh, football team or american football team yes yeah, yeah up in seattle uh and so that's the way his cloak looks and he just he looks fantastic he's like the centerpiece of the army uh between having wacky rules on the table and and the attachment of a friend having done this for me uh yeah it just stands out as like a great trophy of all the friendships and stuff like that that i've built uh throughout this hobby so yeah nice that's that's a really cool story. It's a really nice idea. It's um, yeah. I I going slightly off topic. I I would now that you've um, mentioned it, I'd quite like to paint a um, Seattle Sonics space marine or something. Just to... <laughs> that'd be hilarious. If you can do anything uh, to bring the Sonics back, that would be great. But that's all about basketball, and that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so what what did you what did you paint for him while well, he he did the or, or what did you uh, paint that year? yeah so i don't think i had him that year i believe mine was shoe from ruling once had requested a oh what's it called a night judicator whatever the newer stormcast is where guy has like a huge bow and he's arched back and there's two griffhounds with him um but i painted him in knight's excelsior scheme and i think the year before that i did a a custom corn demon and slaughter priest kish bash for a warlord Cool. Uh, I can't remember any other ones off the top of my head. Sounds like yeah. quite a fun, fun way to paint something different every year. It is, yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's the idea. It's just, I, I'm somebody who tends to rotate through armies. Like, I paint up an army and sell it off and that kind of thing. But yeah. those are the kinds of models that, like, they stay on my shelf. They have some intrinsic value to me. And so it's really nice to have those things that like, I love looking at these. They make me happy. <laughs> yeah. No, well, that's, that's definitely the way I do it. I remember years ago, um, my best friend and I were like, let's buy, cause we never ever in, I mean, we've known each other since we've been two and we've never bought each other Christmas presents. Um, cause we're both really <laughs> right. When, yeah, when you're that close, you're like, whatever, we're the same person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, I remember one year we went into a games workshop and I was like, look, why don't we do a thing? We never buy each other gifts. I'll buy you something to paint and you buy me something to paint and we'll, you know, yeah. and it should be something completely different. And he, I can't remember now what he bought me, but I went home and I studiously painted it and I, I showed it to him the next time we hang out. He said, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, yeah, have you had a chance to work on yours? I bought him, a, I think it was the uh black arc fleet master or whatever it is the um oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the dark elf guy and he was like no i haven't done it yet but oh well <laughs> and uh he never has um <laughs> he doesn't even really paint miniatures anymore so it's like this is never happening is it i, I feel i got screwed out of this deal um, over <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um yes no that is a nice it's a fun way of, of doing things um so moving on from the Wurgog profit well, yeah. Actually, before we we do move on, has that ever inspired you to go down the sort of the AOS orc route, despite the fact that they're mainly a horde army? Oh yeah, actually, my main army for AOS right now is uh, Bone Splitters. Nice. Um, just as I said before with Privateer Press, that I uh, I have a, a weak spot for the underdog. Basically, I what's the worst thing in this entire industry? That I'll take it. Give me five. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> that's like exactly it. what I do. How can I, how can I go to an event, seem like a special snowflake, lose every game, and still retain my dignity? <laughs> Blame it on the rules. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I do. Uh, he is he is the Wargog prophet that I use in, in all my games of AOS because he is actually a very good unit in the game. Yeah. Uh, it's just the rest of the army that's a little bit sad as they try to keep up. But yeah, uh, yeah I do. I love my bone splitters so much. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad someone does. Um, and uh, you, I mean, you say losing five games in a row. Have they ever managed to pick up a victory at a tournament at all? <laughs> okay. So yes, I did. Um, the last one I went to was Vault Wars in Missouri, right. and um, I went four and one. And the one victory I had was against the list that I thought I could do the the least amount against, which was like a a super meta, super stormcast, had tons of dragons, all the bad things in the faction that people hate. But I just spread my army to every corner of the wind and he couldn't deploy anything on the table. (laughs) And so what I would do is I basically like by round three, I left exactly one spot where he could bring in his units. And it was like everything. I had a rogue idol. I had all kinds of stuff surrounding it. And he's just staring at the board. He's like, I know I have to deploy there, but it's the worst choice. I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> that's the whole idea. <laughs> oh, nice. I like it. Uh, definitely... My one win was a meta-breaking win. I thought that was kind of fun. I was like, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. You're the, yes. The, um, what's it? The, um, I can't remember the phrase now. Why has it gone out of my head? The exception that proves the rule. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. Um, well, good. I'm glad they've they've found some victory somewhere. Um, <laughs> so, moving on, let's let's get away from Games Workshop again briefly and talk about um, why your Cthulhu sculpt is especially. Yeah, this one is important to me because um, as the channel started to grow. And I had to start explaining it to family um, who who didn't understand modern social media or the power of YouTube or the power of income through on purely digital online businesses. They were kind of struggling to understand. Um, And and it was just a weird thing because my in-laws here that I'm quitting my job and I'm going to be a YouTuber and they have, you know, their own pre-assessment of what that means and all the problems with millennials and et cetera. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they've been nothing but supportive for the most part. And one of those is my brother-in-law who one Christmas, he gave me a, uh, or this is actually just last Christmas. It was like a, a model from a whiz kids line, I think. Okay. where they have like the D miniatures that they do yeah, yeah um and it's just a, a little cthulhu guy i think he's like 60 ish millimeter base just halfway out of the water so cool. i can show it to you the obviously the viewers can't see it but yeah. he's just this oh, little yes. guy here it's, it's <laughs> um, very cthulhu. yes rising from yes and it was one of those ones like it comes pre-primed you don't have to do anything else so it just meant a lot to me because it felt like the family member was trying to reach out and kind of meet me halfway of like, Hey, I know you like these kinds of things wanted to make me happy. And, and he just sits on my desk. He is not part of any game or anything. I just, just like him. <laughs> yeah. no, that's all right. It's nice having things like that. Yes. It's, um, are you a fan of the sort of Lovecraftian, uh, fiction and, and horror? Oh yes, very much. So, um, and I talked about earlier, I, I eventually want to make a game for gunplay rules, but I, I have a doc that is, the broad skeleton of a game that I want to make, but I don't have minis for it, but I just I want to make something where terror is the mechanic that you oh, use yeah, and rules and how things interact change based on how crazy you're out of your mind you are. Cause mm. the world reacts to your fear. Um, I like, it. I don't know. Oh, a long way to say, I love the idea. <laughs> yeah, no, good. Well, I, I hope you, you made that happen one day. Yes. It's, um, no, I I really like that idea. And, and are they what other sort of signs of support have uh, not just your in-laws but the rest of your family given you as you've gone off on this adventure? Um. Well, lately with with our move to Iowa, we've had a lot of family having like they're they're getting older, they have medical issues and that kind of stuff. And yeah. one of the things that they have expressed to me is, um even if they don't understand what I do, a deep gratitude that I do it because it allows me to have the freedom to be a caretaker or a chauffeur or whatever the family yeah. needs. Yeah. And so they're like, 
it, it just kind of challenges some of those notions where it's like my family, you know, uh, or like my son-in-law, he doesn't work or something like that. It's like, no, I, I do work, but I have freedom so I can yes. take you to the doctor and we can go for a day visit whenever. And I think those kinds of things of seeing the freedom that allows me to be a better part of the family is, has definitely resonated quite a bit with them. Yeah. See, I, I knew you'd have a nice answer like that, Doug. You're <laughs> but yes, you, you've taken the, the luxury afforded to you by being a YouTuber and you turned it into something very nice and, and compassionate yeah. and well done you. Um, you now we're going to move on to something uh, that you've painted very recently. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about your your Sons of Horus. Yes. Um, Sons of Horus from the Age of Darkness box. Uh, Games Workshop was kind enough to send me uh, an early copy that I very much dragged my feet on making. I don't know about you, John, but whenever I get like one of those big boxes, it seems so daunting when there's like a thousand yeah. sprues in there. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, just it really seems is. very overwhelming. Yeah. Even I need, to, I need to pick like one sprue out and ignore the rest of the entire box. Exactly. Yes. I'm if if I went to a store and bought 18 model kits, it is less stressful than one giant box with 18 kits in it to me because yeah. I can part them out easier. I can set the rest on a shelf or whatever. Um I don't know why, just a weird mental load thing, but I uh no, I have crazy. I think I have a few guys left, but for the most part that set is done. Um I really just wanted to try painting that green and uh, I, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed the project of it. The mm -hmm. basic way that I do it is uh, I want to shout out a YouTube channel. Mediocre hobbies is a fantastic painting resource where okay. most of his paint schemes are a contrast paint and one highlight color, which is how I've painted before. And I love it. It's just finding his channel was big because he mentioned some really cool color combinations like this red does a great job of highlighting this contrast kind of a thing. Okay. Once you match a contrast paint to a highlight, you can crank out some very cool things very easily. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, and that's what I've been doing for them. And uh, basically, it's just pterodon turquoise really heavily over a zenithal and then go over with uh, the Horus green as my highlight color. Yeah, cool. Uh, Sons of Horus Queen, rather. Mm -hmm. And then um, they're just a super fun to paint. Nice. And you did also mention um, the one thing in the box you weren't a, a particular fan of, which is strange. Yeah. To I'm someone who's a huge fan of this kit in all bits of <laughs> painted probably close to 10 of them by now. But what, what didn't you like about the Contempt of Dreadnought? I, okay. I love the idea of dreadnoughts. Um, yeah. This, the idea of a walking sarcophagus just strapped with all kinds of guns. I'm just like, yes, give me your entire stock. The yeah. thing about the Contemptor specifically, though, is it doesn't have that big boxy feel, which I think pulls it too far away from the sarcophagus style okay. that I like. Yeah. yeah, like he looks like a giant marine, and that's awesome. But it's not what I imagine when I think Dreadnought. Whereas some of the other ones, even like the Leviathan, they all have shades of looking like someone got jammed in there like a USB drive, <laughs> which is basically yes. what they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Contemptor just never, I just yeah. never really cared for it too much. But, you know, your old fire hydrant one with four hands, I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yes. Um, I'm quite glad I never have to see that again. It's uh, <laughs> that got sold at a car boot sale a long time ago. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, why? I suppose I should also ask because I I have seen a lot of people painting them recently, which is kind of cool because I don't think I saw anyone really painting them before this box came out. But mm -hmm. yeah, the Sons of Horus was it just you just you wanted to paint that green or? Was that it? it was a few things um my favorite legion in terms of their lore is the word bears right uh just because they their books tend to deal a lot more with concepts of like the nature of humanity why do we keep worshiping things it just yes. seems like something that's built into us and i just as a personal note in the last several years have kind of moved away from the Christian church that I was a part of when I was in high school. And so mm -hmm. 
a lot of those, I mean, a lot of weird overlap of questions of faith, not so much in the chaotic using sorcery and bolters no. way, but much so or much of the, the conceptual stuff. Yes, <laughs> yeah. unless Christian church changed a lot yeah. since I was at school. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're talking about American evangelicalism. <laughs> yes, of course. We have flair. <laughs> so chainsaws. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but it was just, it was just, they, they touch on a lot of notes that resonate well with me uh, with those questions. And then when it came time to actually start painting, I was about to do word bearers. And then I started looking online. I was like, well, you know, it's a force that's mainly going to be a shelf queen. I mean, there's not a ton of Horus Heresy players near me, so I might as well paint yeah. something I want to to paint. Mm. I wanted to try the green. And then looking online, um, there's not really any loyalist heroes for the word bearers. They... No. They kind of went all in, <laughs> which yeah. is respectable. Yeah. But uh, what's nice about the Sons of Horus that I was looking at is there is that one kit that's Abaddon and Loken charging at each other. And with those separately, I could take one of those heroes and be like, I'm loyalist. Here's Loken. Mm. I'm a traitor. Here's Abaddon. So um, when I kind of started to think of it that way, my list of legions uh, who have loyalist and traitor heroes it came down between Sons of Horus and Emperor's Children, and I've just never been a big Emperor's Children guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Emperor's Children. I still might. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, because I, I can't go back to doing my Blood Angels because I painted them so long ago, it'd be weird trying to go back and do I them. I get that. Um, plus, I've got an army of them, 2,000 points, and quite happy with that. So, yeah. I think See, I'm my like, thing... I just like fabulous Primarchs. That's my thing. That's fine. That's, yeah, it's, it takes all kinds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got to have good uh, be a Primarch in my book. So. My thing with Slanesh, I talk about this in my videos. Um, there was a line of dialogue from another Age of Sigmar podcast uh, called Garage Chamber with Dave Whitek. And he had a line that he was talking about going to see Deadpool, the movie. And he said, I love Deadpool, but I don't like Deadpool fans. Because they kind of keep trying to like be the most yeah. out there, the most ridiculous. Yeah. And I was like, I feel that same way about Slanesh, where it's like conceptually, I'm super on board. I actually, uh, Fulgrim is one of my favorite books that Black Library has put out. Yeah. But the minute I step across from someone at the table and all they want to do is make, you know, inappropriate, obscene jokes about sex, body parts, whatever, I'm just like, yeah. dude, just reel it in, man. We just. Yeah. I just got to be here for two hours. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. It is, if you go down that very <laughs> one-dimensional route, it's, um, yes, it can get very boring very quickly. It's why I, I quite like what happened with the Heat Knights, where they have, like, that, um, the really big fat guy on his palanquin. Uh, oh, yeah, I was so stoked when I saw that. About greed <laughs> and, and vanity and, you know, mm -hmm. lots of stuff. It's not just about boobs, which... Um, <laughs> can easily be what happens to Slanesh. Um yes, 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 yes. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. But I do like the the Emperor's children. I just yeah, it's just about Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't excited for the project. So fair enough. But um well you, you were excited for the Sons of Horus and that's the important thing. There you go. Yeah. Um okay Doug, I think um it's time to move on to the final two questions that I ask all of my guests on this okay. podcast. First off what is your favorite paint? Favorite specific paint? I'm going to have to say Gore Grunta Fur Contrast Paint by Citadel. Okay. What have you been using it, that for? Literally everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> if, my favorite thing with, the, with specifically the brown contrast paints is um, the, the intensity of cussing that comes out of my mouth when you completely finish a model and then you realize there's one little stupid pouch or mm. piece of a belt strap or something that's leather and you just missed it yeah like it drives me up the wall and so i like taking gorgrunta fur and just poking it and it just adds just enough brown and it's a warm color yeah. covers a multitude of sins i think yes it's just my favorite because it just is the perfect remedy for that last step where you're like that gum it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. No, well, they are. It's a, the um, snake bite leather and skeleton hold. They're all pretty good, those brands. So. Yeah, and that's uh, when the first wave of, of contrast paints came out. I was like, all of them, they all have different uh, opacities and intensities and all these things. But the browns, 
I think we're always the winners from that first batch. Everything else is kind of a case by case or how you use it. Yeah, I will. I will give a special nod to Blood Angels Red, but yes, otherwise the brown. Yes, yeah, that's a great one too. I, I don't use yeah. it terribly often, but uh, I, I do like it. Yeah. Nice. Okay, um, my final question for you, Doug. Yes. Um, if you could paint any miniature next, it could be one that you've got in your pile of shame. It could be one that doesn't exist yet that you've only just imagined. It could be any miniature ever in the world. What would you like to paint next? If I could make a miniature, I would make a cog fort, which is a, a thing that's only mentioned in the lore for cities of Sigmar and Age of Sigmar. Yeah. But they are essentially mobile fortresses and they they're described as crawling like lobsters almost, like or crabs rather, mechanical legs and steam gouting out of them. Um I want ridiculous arcane mixed with technology stuff. That's I mean, harkening back to War Machine, right? Where it's part magic, part steampunk. Yeah. Um, same deal. I, I, I love that stuff. I think um, we're at the point now looking at how knights and stuff are made that I know games workshop has the capability to make a very cool looking cog fort. And then there, even though there's no model for them, they're included in stories of, for example, there are stories of orcs and ghosts haunting them or raiding and capturing them and them getting bogged down in swamps and stuff like that. So they're already kind of fitting into the setting. I just need a yeah. way to bring it to the table. <laughs> yeah. What sort of what sort of size are we talking for here? Like, uh, um. Well, the full one is probably or? a bit too big to put on most tables. Well, yeah. I say too big. Game Workshop also releases a four foot wide Thunderhawk or whatever the hell it's yeah, called yeah. for yeah. the Manta for Tower or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe size is irrelevant, but um, I one of the things that they've touched on with sort of the, the more recent story arc is this idea of you find a place of power in the world and you set up your fortification around that and you channel channel natural energies as a defense. That's what the Thondia strong point terrain was supposed to do lore wise. So what if you had a major cog fort that never hits the table, but what you and I can interact with would be like, I don't know, cog outposts equivalent. So smaller things, maybe maybe the same size in terms of circumference as Glutos, the the fat guy from Slanesh, but just a big chonky base comes up maybe as tall as Osiric Bone Reaper's terrain or something like that. Yeah. But it could be like seven inches tall somewhere around there. And it just acts as a smaller version of what's going on nearby. Yeah. Or what you could do is like get an artist to sculpt giant crab. Then give it okay. to, give it to a terrain maker to just mechanicalize it and put a thousand legs all around it. Yep. And then get the terrain maker to then build a city on the back of it. And then you can there you go. Easy peasy. Yeah. See, <laughs> uh, that should be simple enough. Um, right. On that note, I've given you something to do there, so uh, I shall leave you to it. Thank you for getting on with Doug. Um, yes. Thank you very very much for joining us and telling us about your life in miniatures. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Happy to have you anytime. And there you have it. That was my lovely conversation with Doug, uh, who is a genuinely wonderful person. And I would very much uh, encourage you to go and check him out, uh, both on uh, on YouTube, where you just search for 2 plus tough, or you can find him on Twitter at tough underscore up. And don't forget to check out his Horus Heresy-themed podcast, uh, The Emperor Protects. So there you go. Um, How's it going? I hope you had a fun time doing your hobby. Um, I certainly had a fun time recording this. I say that, it was more stressful than perhaps it needed to be, but that's got nothing to do with Doug. Um, In fact, it didn't really have anything to do with me. Uh, So I record using uh, Zoom. I I actually now pay for Zoom, uh, which is not cheap. Um, to do these podcasts and uh, we were supposed to do this on a Tuesday night right so uh, I open up the call I invite Doug along we sit on the end of the call with each other and I can't get any sound out of my microphone Um, microphone's working it's plugged in Uh, everything is saying that it should be fine but for some reason the call won't pick up the microphone 
we try it again, we try it again, doesn't work. So Doug very kindly and patiently allowed me to postpone briefly. Um, and uh, I got in touch with Zoom support and I spent about two and a half hours talking to uh, many of their developers. I had to open the terminal on my Mac and start putting code in. And it's like, oh, I don't, why has this happened to me? You know, you get those moments where it's like, it's always me, isn't it? It's always me. The odd thing is we all have those moments, so it's never really just always us, but, it, you know, still. Um, but after two and a half hours, I don't think they did anything. Maybe they did, but um, I got it to work, which was great. And um, we rescheduled. We did it on uh, Thursday night, so the Thursday that's just gone, where I doubled up. I actually did two podcast recordings in a single evening, uh, and that will be next week's, but you'll hear more about that close to the time. Um, but yeah, so I've got to thank Doug for his patience. Uh, I also need to d- thank developers like Paul and Luigi, and there were a few others for, uh, on the end of Zoom um, who kind of helped make this happen. But yeah, that was our podcast, and thanks, Doug, for being patient and uh, and rearranging with me to do it on Thursday, because uh, we certainly wouldn't have wanted to miss that. Uh, yeah, and I've been... Do you know what? I, I'm now recording this many days after... Uh, we last spoke and the last time we spoke it was the day or sorry when I say we spoke when I recorded the intro um, that was like the day after I'd got my golden demon ticket and now I've had a bit of a rethink and I think I said something in the intro which I want to just make clear I, I talked about oh should there be an asterisk against the name no there shouldn't be not for anyone who wins regard you know whether I win or not which probably won't but you know Whoever wins, no, there should there is no asterisk against your name. Um, in any sport, in any game, you can only play the opponent that's in front of you, right? That's it. Um, whoever wins Golden Demon is going to be the best person at that Golden Demon. Now, still, there should have been a method of getting more people into that Golden Demon, but that's a different argument to be had later. Whoever does well at this demon should not feel in any way that they are perhaps not as good as that award makes them out to be. If you're good enough to win it, you're good enough to win it, and that's the deal. Um, and I hope if you're still trying to get yourself a ticket, um, some come up on, on Monday the 8th of August, which should be the day after this podcast goes live. Uh, I'm imagining whatever tickets are left to be sold, they'll probably be on there for about a second as well. So just have your phone out at 659 and be ready and keep clicking refresh and uh, be signed into Eventbrite and that'll give you the best shot that's all we can do um but I just wanted to address that now as for me uh I uh I'm I've got some golden demon to prepare for um I think I'm going to try and squeeze one more thing in so I've got to get finishing the thing that I'm currently finishing uh so I've got plenty of hobby to do this week I hope you do too I hope you've got plenty of things to glue and cut and clip and uh, green stuff and paint and do all that sort of stuff with. I hope you have loads and loads of fun with it. Uh, and I hope you'll join us again on uh, for another episode of My Life in Miniatures next week. Just to remind you, uh, if, you want, if you never want to miss a show, you can always uh, click the little plus symbol, whether that's on Google Play, Audible, Spotify, uh, the Apple Podcast Store. Wherever you find your favorite podcast, this podcast should appear there. If it doesn't, do let me know. You can get hold of me uh, at Heresy Heroes on Twitter and let me know um, because I would like to know if there's somewhere that I haven't put this podcast that I could that would encourage more listens. Um, but yeah, until next week, which I can confirm we've already got it recorded. I've already got next week's recorded and uh, hopefully the rest of the season's going to slot into place and... Uh, There'll be no more enforced breaks, but we'll see. You know, best laid plans and all that. Anyway, you have a fantastic week in the hobby. Have a fantastic week in general. And I shall speak to you next time on My Life in Miniatures. Mm -hmm.